Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we uh, come to you this morning. We just thank you for just a wonderful time to to worship you and praise you. And, and Lord, we just uh, give our lives to you. And, and right now, as we look into your word, and we just thank you for your powerful word that it'll just speak to us. And Lord, as we go out of here, we'll just go out rejoicing, but we'll go out applying the word that you've given us. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing on our series in James. And obviously we're in chapter 4 now, but it's kind of how to avoid arguments. And in this passage, James gives us both the causes of arguments, and then he also gives us the cure. So at the very start of this, I want you to think of a person in your life that causes the most conflict in your life. So just take a minute or two. Um, it probably won't take a minute, take a second, and think of the one, that one person that's causing a lot of conflict in your life, because I think you're going to get the most out of this message if you think about that person who causes the conflict that you're going through in your life, and then you're going to realize how you're going to avoid arguing with them, okay? So that's where we're headed. We, we realized up, up to now, James does not beat around the bush when he writes his scripture. He gets right to the point. And he starts off right in verse 1. And he says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come for your desires that battle within you? So James says that the cause of arguments is conflicting desires. When I want something and you want something else, or you want the same thing, sparks are going to fly. Conflicts start really, really early in life. Conflicts start before you can even begin to talk. I mean, if you think of babies, if their needs are not satisfied, they let you know right away. They start screaming. Then they go on airplanes. <laughs> So you can even argue when you don't even know how to talk. Another area that maybe brings conflict is marriage. Marriage has built-in conditions for conflict. Because think about all those expected things that you wanted of your spouse before you got married. Maybe how idealistic you were or maybe how unrealistic you were. And then you had this rude awakening the day that you woke up. All marriages go through three stages. You got stage one, which is the happy honeymoon. You got stage two, where it's the party's over. And then you got stage three, it's let's make a deal. <laughs> so at stage three, you have to learn how to handle arguments because arguments are going to happen. There's going to be conflicting desires. There's going to be frustrated feelings. It's going to cause fights. And all throughout life, it's not just marriage, all throughout life we have these. And the Bible makes it pretty clear in, right in this passage and other places in Scripture that there are three basic desires that cause conflict. 
And when these get out of control, they cause a lot of problems. But God gives us these desires. But when you put these desires above other people, when these desires become number one in your life, it's going to cause conflict. So the first one is, we have the desire to have. Materialism. Look at verse 2. It says, you want what you don't have. And it goes on to say, you long for what others have. God created things to be used and enjoyed. I mean, that's what they're here for. We use things. We love people. The problem is, is when we start loving the things. When we start loving things, we sometimes get that equation backwards. We start loving things and we use people. We start manipulating the people. We start trying to control people. We start trying to move them around to get what we want because we got these things that are important in our life. We also have the desire to feel. We want to be comfortable. We want to feel good. We want to have all of our senses satisfied. Look at verse 3. You want only what will give you pleasure. And it's not wrong to enjoy life. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, God made everything for our enjoyment. The problem is, is when we put pleasure, when that becomes the number one goal in our life, that's when you're going to start asking for conflict. It's going to cause problems in your life. You've heard the saying, if it feels good, do it. You're asking for conflict. When our pleasure takes over what is needful, we're in trouble. But the fact is, if we're more interested in what's comfortable to us, and we don't worry about people, it's going to cause problems. So the desire to feel good creates conflict. The desire to have and the desire to feel good are two of the desires, but there's also the desire to be. This is basically pride, power, popularity. It's the me first. Everything I do has to be for me. Remember the song Frank Sinatra sang? I did it my way. A lot of people look at that. We are kind of a me decade, me generation. Be the big shots. We strive for success. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride leads to arguments. That's pretty simple, isn't it? The next time you're in an argument, just stop and ask yourself, is this worth it? So James tells us that pride, when we think that we can do things on our own, he ca it causes us two problems. He says you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So James tells us that's why the desires aren't fulfilled. Number one, we don't pray about it. We don't ask God. So we're in a sense looking at the wrong source. We're looking at people to fulfill our needs rather than God. God says, I will meet your needs. You just got to pray. 
But then when we pray, we sometimes pray with the wrong motive. We sometimes ask in a very selfish way. The Bible says, and God has promised, to provide for us. Philippians 4.19, very familiar passage, says, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we ask in prayer. So say we're upset at somebody. Usually the last thing, if I'm upset at somebody, usually the last thing that's on my mind is praying. I'll just be quite truthful with you. We don't think about that. And James says that's your problem. He says you're looking at others rather than looking to God that causes conflict. Now we sing a hymn every now and then. This one. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. And why is it? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. There's a lot of truth to that. So in the next verses, James talks about the conflict that we maybe have with God. Because pride not only causes conflict with other people, but if we got pride in our life, it's going to cause conflict with God. Look at verse 6. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So in a sense, God has declared a war on selfishness. And it's interesting how God has a unique way of engineering circumstances in our lives to, in a sense, deal with our pride, to make us humble. Just about the time you think, wow, my life's going good, I've got it all together, God puts you in a position to put you in your place. And if we're in opposition to where God wants us, we're in a very dangerous place. We're on a collision course. There's no way to win. So we got all these desires that cause all of this stuff in our lives and all this conflict. Now, are you still thinking of that person that you have conflict with? Still thinking about that? Because now we're going to go into the cure part. So if we look at the cure for the arguments, the very first one is humility. If you look at verses 6 and verse 10, it says, God, he says, it gives grace to the humble. He says, humble yourselves to the Lord, before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And we look at God's grace. And just one of the definitions of grace is, grace is God's power to change us. So if we think about that, what would you want to change in your life? What would you want to change about yourself? Because whatever we want to change for ourselves, we've got to have God's grace in order to do it. If you want change about your relationship, your marriage, your family, or people around you, or whatever, you've got to have God's grace. We've got to have God's power. And God's power is part of the whole grace process. And then in the next few verses, James gives us several short sentences. He's, he, James is so practical... He gives us some specific actions that we can take in our lives in order to stop 
fighting. So here's how you diffuse a conflict. Whether it's between you and a kid, between you and your wife, you and somebody else, you and your neighbor, or whatever it is, whether you're at work or school or play, whatever. There are four things that you can do to diffuse conflict. So you ready? The first one is give in to God. Verse 7 says, submit yourself then to God. Let God really be God of your life. Give Him control. Put Him in charge. Now that's just the starting point. But in a sense, quit trying to run your own life. Verse 1 says, part of it says, your desires that battle within you. We have these battles within us. And James says that conflict happens with other people because you have conflict on the inside. So the starting point is, i got to get peace in here in order to get rid of the conflict on the outside. So it comes down to, the, to a real practical question. Who's in charge of your life? Have you given God control of your life? Because if you're in charge then anytime somebody comes along and doesn't go the way and things don't go the way that you want it to go, then you're going to get upset. You're going to start conflict. You're going to start arguing. Colossians 3:15 says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart." When we have the peace of Christ in our heart, we're going to have peace with other people. Nothing else you can just say, I really don't care what they think. <laughs> just kidding. You can in a sense say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. That's how the peace process begins. And then the second thing they got to look at for the cure is you got to get really wise to Satan. Be aware, be alert, realize what he's doing. Realize that that's where the conflict is coming from, that he's the source behind it. So don't get dumb. Don't be ignorant about it. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say get in a conversation with him, talk it over with him. It just says resist and flee. Now, some of the situations, if we could just get to the point where we realize this isn't a good situation, if we would just leave and get out of it, we'd probably be in a lot better place but how many times do we want to try to argue about it submit yourself to God he says those desires that battle within you Paul tells us the apostle Paul says wise up he says you got to recognize the tactics that Satan uses you got to know how he operates how many of you have ever been in an argument yesterday or today? How many, how many were in an arguing in the car on the way to church? Come on, let's be practical about this. How many of you took separate cars? <laughs> <laughs> so just for a minute, use your imagination. Imagine that you're in the middle of an argument. All of a sudden you hear this whispering in your ear. You don't need to take this kind of stuff from them. 
So then you think, I've got to retaliate. I've got to get even with them. I've got to show them who's boss. Scripture tells us, resist the devil. Those whispers are not coming from God. Memorize Proverbs 13.10. Pride leads to arguments. I'm not sure what translation that is, but just remember that. And that's a great promise. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Pride leads to arguments. Give in to God, get wise to Satan. And the third cure that we have is we've got to grow closer to God. So we read the Bible, that helps us grow closer. We pray. We come together to encourage one another, but there's, there's something about being together in church that, that strengthens our faith as well. And all those things help us grow closer to God. But I think one of the big ways is if you can really spend time alone with God, it does wonders. You can get along better with people. Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep him in perfect peace, all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. Because when we're spending time with God, those thoughts that we have, are, a lot of times, are thoughts about God. But it helps us get along better with other people. Because it says He keeps perfect peace in your heart. Have you ever just woken up irritable? The world's way says you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Which I've always struggled with that because you probably get, on the, get in bed the same way every time anyway, right? So you give in to God, you get wise to Satan, you grow closer to God. Number four is the big one. Be willing to ask forgiveness. If you want to stop the conflicts in your life, if you want to get along with other people, if you want to avoid arguments, learn to ask for forgiveness from God and from those who hurt you. Or maybe those you have hurt. Verse 8 says, wash your hands, purify your heart. Now our hands represent our conduct. And our heart represents our attitude. So in a sense what he's saying here, clean up your act. Now do you remember early on, 20 minutes ago, I asked you to think about somebody in your life that maybe has caused some conflict or you're arguing with right now. I want you to go back to that person now in your mind here. And I want you to begin to resolve the conflict with that person. Now, how do you do that? Here's what you do. Are you willing to apologize for your part of the conflict. I'm not saying all of it, but are you willing to apologize for your part? Because maybe they are 95% wrong. Apologize for your 5%. Take care of your part of it. And then let God handle that 95% in their life. Want to reduce conflict? 
maybe the way that you do it is by just opening the door just a little bit to take responsibility for your part. As I'm going to say, most conflict is probably not 100% one person's. Admit that maybe you are a part of the conflict. I was wrong. And I would say, don't say, I was wrong 5% of this time. Don't do that. Just take ownership for your part. Now remember, remember the old show, Happy Days? Remember Fonzie? He couldn't say the words, I was wrong. He would always say, I was wrong. I was wrong. And I remember he finished it by saying, I was not exactly right. Just admit you're wrong. Even if they're the primary at fault. Admit what you brought into the relationship. In a sense, humble yourself. And what does it say if we humble ourselves before God? He will lift us up. The humbling process will help you open the door to resolving conflict. So that person that you thought about, maybe it's time to go to them and admit that you're 5% wrong. Because at least you're going to be with them without an argument and a conflict, and they'll probably agree with you. Now, they might want to start another argument by saying, no, it was more than 5%. But just humble. Let's be humble people. Because as we're humbling, we're going to allow God to speak to us, and it'll change our life. So pretty practical on changing and how to get rid of arguments, right? So does anybody want to argue with me about the pancake breakfast or sign-up sheets or anything? <laughs> oh, you do. So Okay. But uh, anyway, we just thank the Lord for His Word. And James is so practical that let's humble ourselves before God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this just this wonderful time together. And Lord, you don't want us arguing and bickering and fighting and doing all sorts of things that really damage Christianity. But Lord, I just pray that right here at Kersey we can be the most humble people, that we can just be directed by you in every step that we take. And Lord, we just thank you so much for this time that we can come together to encourage one another. And Lord, if there's any conflict, I just pray that we can all just take our, our part of it and just ask for forgiveness. But Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word today. And I just pray as we do some praise singing and, and we have our potluck afterwards and our semi-annual meeting, that, that Lord, You'll just do wonders in all that's happening today. And we just give You all the praise and glory. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.